0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, from longing to lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. All right, if you've got a Bible uh, this morning or electronic device, I encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15 uh, this morning. You know, this year, this year 2020 has seemed like a decade, hasn't it? It's been like this, this never-ending year that has been full of, of lots of disappointments. It's been a year that's been full of disunity. We've seen a disease running rampant. We've heard about death, and, and we've just been reminded this year. I think the greatest thing that I've been reminded this year is just how fully sin has corrupted all that God has made that was good. You guys feel that way? Like, like uh, unlike years in the past, for whatever reason, it feels like God has taken our good lives and the things that have, have just been normal to us, and He's flipped our lives upside down, and we've seen the depravity of the world. We may even have seen some of our own depravity coming out in this season. But sin and its corruption touches every aspect of the human existence. Sin brings pain. Sin brings shame. And this year has been a reminder of our desperate need for God. Maybe this season, in this year, you've uh, turned to God and you've begun to doubt his goodness. Or maybe you've doubted his plans, or maybe you've doubted his faithfulness, or maybe you've just come to with, with some of those big questions like, can I really trust you? And I think those are important questions for us to ask. And I, I, those are some questions that we want to ask of our text today. Can we really trust God? And is God a trustworthy God? Is he a trustworthy God that makes promises? Or is God faithful to fulfill his promises? You know, last week we started a series entitled Gift Wrap, where we looked from longing to being lavished. We have started reflecting, we're going to do so today, continue today, reflecting on the gifts and the promises that God has given us. And each one of these gifts that we're going to take a look at each week is a gift that meets the deep longings of our souls. And these gifts, these promises, they come in the form of covenants. And each week we're going to take some time to look at the gift, we're going to unwrap the gift, and we're going to see how we can grow in our trust forever. God. Let me just give you a reminder, these covenants that we're going to take a look at over these these few weeks become the backbone to the storyline of the Bible. They begin and are the unfolding of the biblical narrative and God's promises to redeem a fallen humanity. And So as we look at these promises each week, let us be reminded of God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's grace, and God's love. You know, last week we took a look at the covenant that God gave Noah. Remember the covenant where he said that he promised that he will no longer flood the earth? And what we, we said last week and we reminded the, the fact that, that God said that even though the world is full of sin, God promises that for a season he is going to restrain himself from his wrath. That he, he no longer will destroy the earth by flood, therefore giving us the opportunity for true life giving us the opportunity to experience life. And we were reminded last week that even though we deserve God's wrath, we saw how God was faithful to fulfill the covenant that he gave Noah through Jesus. Remember, it's Jesus that absorbed the wrath of God On the cross and so God was through Noah was pointing to a future promise that was to come and we have the opportunity to look back not look forward but we have the opportunity to look back and see that God's promise to Noah was fulfilled in the work of Christ. And so today, we're going to continue and look at another covenant. We're going to look at the covenant that God made with Abraham, or Abram. We know that in the story, uh, Abram's name was changed to Abraham uh, later on. But I want us to watch this quick video that will give us kind of the context of the story of Sarah.
1: Stories of the Bible. Abram to Abraham. Abraham. This is Abram, who will later be known as Abraham. When Abram was in the land called Canaan, God told him to look over the land as far as his eyes could see. God promised that the land would be blessed and that Abram would have many children. 25 years passed. Abram and Sarai were very old and still had no children. God appeared to Abram and said, don't be afraid. I'm your shield, a sun is coming. Look at the heavens and count the stars. Someday you will have as many children as there are stars in the sky. Then God told Abram that his name would no longer be Abram, but it would be Abraham, which means many nations. God also told Abraham that Sarai's name would be changed to Sarah. God promised to bless Sarah and told Abraham that she would become pregnant and have a son. God made a covenant with Abraham that day. His covenant was a promise that Abraham would have many sons and they would be blessed.
0: All right, that's a quick quick synopsis and a reminder of the story of Abraham that we're gonna take a look at today in uh, Genesis chapter 15. Now we, we are reminded of uh, the account between Abraham and God. We, we see that there are three times in Genesis that God gives and uh, uncovers the covenant with Abraham. He's given the covenant in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17. And with each of the times that the covenant is described, there's another layer or an unfolding or a deeper understanding of what the covenant was all about. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that God outlines the elements of the promise to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, he says, I promise to make you a great nation. I'm giving you land. I'll give you offspring. I'll give you a family. And he says that I'll also give you a blessing. Now, that is in Genesis chapter 12. And now we're in Genesis chapter 15. And what we need to be reminded is we're going to look at today is there's 25 years that separate Genesis chapter 12 from Genesis chapter 15. Abraham, at the time of Genesis chapter 12, was about 75 years old. And so now he and his wife are both pushing 100. And he's beginning to worry about God's promise. God had made a promise and 25 years later, it still had not been answered. But what we're gonna see today, as as, uh, Abraham begins to question God, God, are you good? God, are you faithful to fulfill your promises? We see that God steps up and he answers. And he answers today through the establishing of a covenant with Abraham. And today, as we look at this passage, I want us to see that God's promises are firmly anchored in God's character. God's promises are firmly anchored in God's character. We can be assured that God is a promise maker, but also that God is a promise keeper. We can trust in him because it's connected to his holy character. That God gives this promise. And we see that as God is a promise keeper. There are three responses that we can have to God's promises. And I want us to look at those today. The first way that we can respond to God being a promise keeper and a promise maker is that we can rest rest in God's reassurances. We can rest in God's reassurances. Look at me in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. You see, we need to be reminded that God is carefully concerned about our lives. God knows everything about us, and we we can see even as uh, Abram begins to question God, we see that God is not short or God is not um, withheld from coming and answering Abram in his fear. Abraham's starting to worry and become nervous. Is God really going to fulfill the promises that he made, that he would be a great nation, and that he would have a great land, and that he would be blessed, and that he would have many, many offspring. He would have many, many children. And so, right now in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, Abram's in a place of great fear. After waiting these 25 years. We see that the window of opportunity for Sarah to even be able to have children, that window is closing. We also see that if we go back to chapter 14, that Abraham has just walked through a very, very challenging season. You see, there were some kings in the local territories that had come down to Sodom and taken everyone out of Sodom and made them captive. Well, that's not that big of a deal except for the fact that Abraham's nephew Lot was in Sodom. And so his nephew gets taken away, and they lose all their property, all their land, and all their resources, and now they're enslaved by this evil king. Abram hears about this, and so what does Abram do? He gets 300-some guys, and they they go chasing after Lot and his family, and they go and they rescue them. And they come back and now Lot is saved and Abram's beginning to worry like, hey, the world is not a pleasant place. The world is not this peaceful place. There's lots of things out there. And at any moment, it seems like this promise of God can be snuffed out. So Abraham's worried. You guys ever get worried about life? Like you ever get worried about the future? You ever get worried about the present? You ever get worried about your past? Well, Abram's right in that place. He's in a place where he doesn't know what the future holds. He doesn't know if God's gonna fulfill his promises. And he's in a place where he needs a word from the Lord and the Lord steps in in the right time and the right way. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. After several years of not hearing from the Lord, now the Lord shows up and God's words to him are quite simply, fear not." Don't be afraid. Don't be worried about the future. Don't worry about my promises that I've given you. Don't worry. And then he gives them a picture. He says, for I am your shield. Like this is a beautiful promise that God gives Abraham. That you're not in front of the shield taking the daggers. You're behind the shield. That God is taking the blows for us. That God is stepping in and saying, I am your shield. You don't have to worry because you're covered behind my power and my presence. I am your shield. I oversee your life. I am protecting your life from all adversaries." And then God gives him this encouragement with this promise. His reward shall be very great. God says, don't worry, I'm protecting you, but your reward that's coming, that you have to wait for is very, very great. I love this you know this is the the anticipation and the expectation that abraham must have felt in those moments that god speaks words of truth over his life i imagine as much like a child as they wait for christmas Right as a, as a child has made their list of all the things that they want and then they give it on to their parents and, and uh, then as they see, and, and people have different traditions, but in my home, the way it was is, is that the presents under the tree would grow as we got closer and closer to Christmas. And my anticipation for that day would be so excited. And what was the beauty of Christmas is that the Christmas is a day that's marked on the calendar. right The 25th always comes. It's, it's there, and so I remember as a child having some expectation about that. Some years, I'd get a big calendar in my room, and as December came, I'd start making X's as the days went on, and I could clearly see that it's all moving towards December 25th. There were other times that I would make a chain of, of, of like paper, you know, they put them together, and then every day I'd take one of those chains, and I'd tear it off, and you could slowly see the chain shrinking. It's beautiful when you know the date of your anticipation and your expectation. Right? And what God gives us here is not the date. He never says when this is going to happen, but He promises us that He always will that he brings about his promises and he brings about his, his blessings in our lives in the right time and in the right way, though they may not be in our timing or in our ways. God is faithful to his promises. And just as we, as a child waits for Christmas, we should be filled with anticipation and expectation of Jesus and his promises that God has given us. Often, we feel we fear we feel fearful instead of being faithful god's grace and his t- affections towards us in christ should bring us overwhelming reassurances one of the greatest things that god is he has given us his word Right? This is the greatest source of reassurances. You can go to any page in here and you can see God faithfully interacting with those whom he has created. We see God stepping in and in the right time and in the right way protecting people. We see God walking with people through the difficulties and challenges of life and we see that he's faithful to restore joy and to give peace people peace. This word is filled of all of God's promises to us. And we need to be people that see God's word not as just something that's a checklist to do every single day. But this needs to be a reminder of the reassurances of God in our lives. We should come to this with hopeful expectation. We need to be reminded and we need to rehearse the promises of God because otherwise we will feel defeated. We will feel destroyed. And so God has given us his word so that we may rehearse and be reminded and be reassured of his blessing and his promises in our lives. This is a great tool that God has given us. God has also given us the gift of groups. God has given us the opportunity to small groups, we're together with other people, we're doing life together, and we see people going through um, other families that are going through difficult times, and we see how God is faithful in their lives. That encourages us, and that together in small groups, we get a chance to dive into God's Word together. I want to encourage you that if you're not a part of a life group, this is a great season and a great time to get connected to a life group, because the purpose is so that we may be reminded and be reassured of God's blessings in our lives. So we need to rest in God's reassurances. That's the first thing that we need to do. The second thing that we can do, and as we are reminded that God's promises are firmly anchored in his character, is that we need to believe in God's promises. Believe in God's promises. Look with me in uh, chapter uh, 15, verse two. So after God speaks to him and says, don't be afraid, I'm your shield and I have great blessings for you. Abraham responds, he says, "O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. But Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside. And said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these things, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. And he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And the Lord said to for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on that nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out of the great, out with great possessions. And for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a in a good old age. And they shall come back in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, it was dark. And behold, a smoke fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. So not only does God reassure Abram of his grace and his love, now we see that he gives him a covenant. Because even though Abram gets the promise of having children and, and this blessing, Abram's like, I got a question though. Who's gonna receive these promises? I have no child. There's no one here. Maybe it's my distant relative Eliezer will be the one that will receive this blessing. And God says, no, that's not it. Eliezer is not the promise there. Abram will have a a son and he will have a legitimate son. And so your offspring will be blessed. And so God promises him, he takes him outside. He says, look at the stars. Do you see all the stars? let that be a reminder to you that you will have many, many more offspring in the sky because God's in the work of doing something amazing. And after this, Abram it says that Abram believed the Lord. Faith in the Lord propelled Abram to move forward. He hears the promises of God and trusts in God. And it says that it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, this is the foundation of our faith. This is where all of our faith rests, not in our own works. We are not people that that place faith in what we do, but we place faith in what God has provided. Now, we we live on the other side of this covenant being fulfilled because this covenant was fulfilled in Christ, that Christ came to to be the one to establish us into his kingdom. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But just as Abram believed and his faith was credited to him as righteous, so we too are people of faith. But then God goes on and gives him this, this covenant and lays it out as the validity of his promises through the act of this covenant. So what does he do? God promises them that that not only will he he be a blessing, that he'll have so many offspring, that he'll have land, and that he'll be the father of a great nation. And God seals this covenant through having Abraham uh, do this ceremony. And so he takes these animals and he cuts them in two. And the idea of this covenant was to be a reminder. The reason that the carcasses were on both sides is those that walk through with the carcasses on both sides would be a reminder of if I do not follow through with my end of this covenant, may I be dead like these animals. So Abraham prepares all of this. And even as vultures and other birds come down and begin to try to eat on, uh, on these carcasses, Abraham steps in and he says, get out of here. And then God calls him to, causes him to be asleep. And as we see this promises, we see that God says, I am going to be faithful to these promises. And who walked through? It wasn't Abraham. It was God. God walked through. God entered into this promise. This was an unconditional blessing and covenant towards uh, uh, Abraham and his family and his descendants. Abraham had to do nothing for it. He just had to believe that God would be faithful. And God steps in and says, may I die like these animals if I do not carry out my word. Now remember, a covenant is very different than a contract. This covenant, as we talked about last week, covenants are not meant to be broken. They're meant to be uh, fulfilled through death. And so God is saying, may I die if I don't follow through with these blessed promises. But here's the point. God has made promises and he guarantees these outcomes of these promises based on who he is. It wasn't based on uh, Abraham's integrity. It wasn't based on Abraham's faithfulness. And God's covenant with us is not based on our faithfulness either. It's not based on what we do, but it's based squarely in his character. God has attached his reputation to keeping his word. And what I want us to see that through this covenant, God is continuing to unfold his plan for humanity. You see, this covenant was a major turning point of history. Remember last week, the covenant reminded us that we are sinful and that we are separated from God. And God, we are separated from God and God is withholding his wrath from us. This week, what we see is the God of the universe wants to establish a special kind of relationship with a special kind of people. And he's going to do it through the seed of Abraham. And so this is that next layer of unfolding of God's plan of redemption. This is one divine covenant that God promises that he's forming a people that are from a seed, which would be a part of his kingdom, which would take place in the land, and that would receive salvation through blessings. This is the point, or all of this promises point to Jesus. Because Jesus, at his core, answers and is the fulfillment of these threefold promises. That's why it's recorded in in John chapter 14 or not John chapter 14, John chapter four. When Jesus comes on the scene and begins his ministry, the first words that come out of his mouth are repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, what Jesus is saying when he comes on the scene is trust in me for I will be a blessing to you or I will be salvation to you because I am king. He is the seed that has arrived to establish his kingdom, the land. So Jesus is telling Israel, and he's telling us too, that he is the fulfillment of this divine covenant. When we believe in the promise of Jesus, we can experience a present-day reality of salvation. At the moment that we place faith and trust in the work of Jesus, we are immediately transformed. We go from being an enemy of God to becoming a child of God. We go from, in order, not living in the consequences of our sin and shame, but we are blessed by God. Third, we see here today that we are to anticipate God's provision for a forever home. Look at me in verse 18. He says, on that day that the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offsprings I give the land from the river of Egypt to the great river, to the river Euphrates, to the land the Canaanites, the Kinzenites, and the Kadamites, and the Hittites, and the Parasites, and the Re- Rebivim, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Gergesites, and Jebusites. That's a mouthful. That probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but it meant a lot to Abraham. Because to Abraham, these were distinct boundaries where he knew where he was saying he could go to a map and he could say, God has promised that we'll have all of this land from here to here, from here to here, to here, to here. And here's the beauty of that, is that Abraham himself never saw the fulfillment of this promise. But we know that God was faithful to fulfill this promise because we hear about it in, um, uh, in, in, in the time of... Um, Oh, Jesus! In the time of Joshua, here it is. And, And this is what Joshua says. And now I'm about to go to the way of the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one of the words has failed all the good things that the Lord God promises concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. So we see at the end of Joshua's life, he's reflecting back and he's saying all the promises of the promised land God has fulfilled in our day and then we know even by the time that David comes on the scene the the nation of Israel expands even into more and more territory and so we know that God was faithful but in the days to come to fulfill his promise so you and I too have promises of God of of land and it's not a land of this world but it's a land that is to come So God has given us his word to reassure us. God gives us present salvation that we can experience, but God also promises us in heaven. Let me give you a description of what Revelation describes this, our eternal state. This is a vision that John, the disciple of Jesus um, has. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more, but I saw a holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former thing has passed away. And behold, I am making all things new. You see, right now, we wait for this home. You know, in each one of us, there is a deep desire for home, isn't there? Right, Especially even during this year, we hear Christmas songs that all talk about the desire. I just wanna be home. I wanna be with family. I wanna be where it's safe. I wanna be where there's time of celebration. And I want you to know that this is not home. This is not home. This is not as good as it gets. We live yearning and waiting for home where there will be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain, nor tears, where death will be destroyed, where all things will be made new. This is what we wait for as we go through the pain of this life. Brothers and sisters, let us not be depressed. Let us not feel defeated as we walk through the challenges of this life and as you've walked through the challenges of this year because this is not our home. Let us be homesick. Let us be homesick. I pray that during this Christmas season our homesick would grow and grow and grow and we would just yearn for the time to be with Jesus. We endure now knowing that our our future, all things will be new. And through our faith, it will be credited to us as righteousness. Has this been a difficult year for you? In what areas right now is it hard for you to trust in God? Maybe it's with the past. Maybe maybe you look back and you see your former faults and you see your failures and you see some shame that, that may be wrapped up in some sin. And I want to remind you that God is faithful. He can take care of your past. That if you trust in Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, all of that can be wiped away. It can be as though it never happened. Or maybe you're here today and you're really struggling with the present. Like there are things going on right now in your life that you're like, I don't know if God can handle this. Maybe you've got some relational problems or maybe you've got some health problems or maybe you've got some financial problems that you're going through in life. And I want you to understand that God is big enough and God knows your needs, but he's waiting for us to come to him where instead of controlling it and holding on to whatever we're afraid of, that we let go of it and we say, God, I trust you with this. And God does. Or maybe you're struggling today with your future. Maybe you don't know what the future holds or, or maybe you're wondering if God is ever gonna fulfill his promise to you in your life. Maybe you're wondering, is God ever gonna allow you to find that per- person to marry Or maybe you're like, God, were you ever going to give us a child? We've been waiting for a child. We've been trying to be faithful in this. Are you going to fulfill your promises? I want you to know you can trust God with your future. Whatever's out there, whatever may control your mind, whatever may hurt your heart, trust God with it. We have page after page after page after page of God's faithfulness. And these are not just stories that are for someone else. These are stories. These are promises that are for you and for me. So this Christmas season, let us respond in faith. Trust that God is faithful to save us, that he's faithful to restore us, that he's faithful to redeem us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you that you were faithful to Abraham. And that even though it looked as though your promises would never come through, you were faithful in his life. And God, help us today to to be reminded and be reassured that just as faithful as you were in Abram's life, that you are faithful in our lives, that you can redeem us from our past, that you can walk with us in the present, and that you give us promises of a future. God, you are worthy of all of our praise. You are worthy of all of our lives. And Father, if there's someone here today struggling, God, may they take their fear, may they take their hurt and lay it at your feet. May you step in and may they see your faithfulness once again. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.